Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Hey, we love Burger King grilled dogs. They're made with 100% beef and they're 100%. Mm. They're so good, they make us want to sing like... I can't believe it. Burger King made a grilled dog. Made with 100% beef. Flame grilled anytime you want. This July 4th weekend, put down the tongs, step away from the grill, and get to Burger King to try a grilled dog for just a dollar. Ask for the dollar grilled dog deal and get a classic grilled dog for a dollar. Only at Burger King. At participating restaurants on July 2nd and 3rd, limit five per transaction while supplies last. Welcome to Real Jam Radio. I'm Daniel LaRue, your host, and so happy to have you with us for this episode. This came about pretty spur of the moment. I had been talking with the people over at 2K about a couple different things, and the opportunity came about to talk to Eric Bonish. He's a senior producer at 2K Sports Visual Concepts, heavily involved in the NBA 2K series, and as many of you know, NBA 2K15 came out on Tuesday, so I recorded this on Wednesday, so a day ago, and it was fun to talk with him because a little under a year ago when the series moved the move to next gen ps4 xbox one i got to talk with him about the my gm mode which was at that point a new thing and so to talk with him about the changes that have gone on from last november to now and having played it a little bit it is definitely a different mode and i loved hearing about how they've changed injuries and how they've changed fatigue and training and all those kind of things that are a part of a mode that some people probably don't play, but people like me who play the association modes and the dynasties and whatever they are in every other game, and particularly in the 2K series, really enjoy. And talk for about 22 minutes about that and the broader parts of making the game, face scanning tech, and a lot of other fun little things. So I hope you really enjoy it. I think it's a, a different avenue in terms of basketball, but something that definitely can improve the reach of the sport and things because there are people who can get into it that way. And I've enjoyed the series for years, so it was fun to talk with Eric. Thank you so much for coming on. Of course. We talked a little bit last year about the challenges of going for a new console because that was obviously a big part of it. What was the main design goal for having the second iteration on the same set of hardware? Uh, Obviously having um, a year of the Xbox uh, One and PS4 under our belts 
uh, was a major advantage for us. I mean, we were one of the only sports games last year to actually do a true next-gen title, to develop a title from the ground up. So we learned a lot last year, and we took those experiences, trials, tribulations, successes, failures, uh, and really applied all of that towards NBA 2K15. That comes in a lot of different flavors. That comes in the ability to run a solid 60 frames per second. That comes in the ability to you know, take advantage of the hardware to improve our graphics, to just fit more things into memory, to make a bigger game. It was it was wide-ranging. We're a big development team at Visual Concepts, and we've had a lot of success in recent years that it's allowed us to grow the team and just grow the game as much as we can. And part of that, it seems like, was bringing back some of the features that were part of earlier versions of the game on the last set of consoles and or fleshing out stuff that you had already started on 2K14. I know one of those was MyGM. You want to talk about how that process happened? Yeah, MyGM, uh, that's my passion mode. I've been playing franchise modes for you know, as long as they've existed. And for me, you know, MyGM last year was a great project. It was us kind of taking the traditional franchise mode, putting it on its head, and just kind of turning it into a conversational piece where you have to deal with your owner and you have responsibilities and you have to deal with, you know, personal interactions with, you know, your your, your scouting staff, uh, the fans, the media, obviously your players, the owner. Uh, and this year we kind of wanted to grow on that. Like last year was a great foundation, maybe based a little heavy on the VC side of things. This year was more about Making it a fun experience, progressing the RPG elements, a good example of that is last year you would take VC and you would purchase you know, upgrades to your GM. You would level him up in you know, his coaching ability, his contract negotiation ability, his trading ability. Um, this year everything's done in a more traditional RPG approach with experience. Everything you do in the mode grants you experience, whether that's performing a trade, winning a game, simulating a game making depth chart changes. So every time you hit a, a threshold, you know, you level up and you get to pick a new perk for your GM, whether he's, again, better at trading, uh, whether you're a better marketer so you get more people to come to the stadium. It's just every decision we made was all about making a more full, more rich experience for our users. Were there things last year that because of time purposes that you had wanted to get in but just you couldn't get in that you worked into 2K15 now? Oh, my gosh, there's so many things. <laughs> um, in my GM in particular, uh, yes. Uh, we have one feature that's kind of flying under the radar so far in media, I think, is our player training feature. Uh, this is a feature where you can look at every player in your active roster, all 15 guys, and assign them different, like, training regimens during practice on off days between games. And this is actually used to develop the player and to see how they're, if they actually meet their true potential. You know, I could look at a team like the Lakers, who are kind of a hodgepodge of old and young, um, and say, look, I want, you know, guys like, I don't know, Swaggy P and Zavi Henry to work on fundamentals or dribbling or not taking a shot if you're swaggy. But for a guy like Kobe, you could say, look, I want you to, to rest between games. I want you to do injury rehab. If you're nursing, you know, I don't know, a, a sore knee, sore ankle, sore finger. Um, you, can have, you can mix up how effective your, your training is. You want this guy working hard because he's not playing a lot of minutes, so he should be extremely rested. And depending on how hard you work them and, like, what area you focus them in, that's how they grow from year to year. So you could take you know, extremely young rookie like Joel Embiid, and this is just an example for exaggeration. But you could say, look, I only want you to work on your three-point shooting for the next five years, and I want you to work on it really hard. And if you overwork him in these, these training elements, yeah, he'll, get a, he'll be a little more tired in game, but you'll see his three-point rating continue to grow over those years. And again, that's exaggeration for him. He can never actually become that good in three-point shooting. Uh, but you can really fine-tune what you want a player to become, and that's something we've never supported before. And uh, I think that's really exciting. Yeah, I actually experienced that a little bit. I play, tried to play the game a little bit today and saw some of that. One question I had with that was, did you have to retool the fatigue system in order to deal with a more complicated practice system? 
Oh, absolutely. Um, I mean, the progressive fatigue system we had in years past had been there for a good, you know, four or five years. And this whole training feature, like, we put it in, we're like, oh, this will be a fun thing to do. And we saw how it touched and affected, like, everything else in the game, whether right down to player personalities. Even if you overwork a guy who maybe has a low work ethic, uh, he's definitely going to come to you and start complaining and saying, hey, you're working me too hard. I, I didn't sign up for this much work. But to answer your question, yes, uh, we definitely had to deal with the person who you know, overworks his players, that needs to have an effect when you go and play and simulate your next game. They're going to be tired. They're going to be lethargic. They're going to, you know, tire out quickly. They're going to run out of gas at the end of the game. And those are things we wanted to kind of get a gameplay element in there of, you know, how much should I work these guys? You really only learn through trial and error. And obviously, you know, working two guys the same amount is going to net different results based on their stamina, their durability, and obviously their work ethic as well. And I'm sure that also leads to a pressure to make sure that the non-player teams are developing their players properly because obviously you can eventually trade for those players, acquire them and all of that. So that you have to make sure that they're on base as well as the, the human players, because otherwise it would lead to an imbalanced system. Of course, there's a, a ton of AI work that went into, you know, that was one of the things we came up with this feature was like, okay, well, how are we going to program the AI teams to develop their rookies? Um, and we have a lot of things under the hood. There's like player types and this guy is a, a three-point specialist. So the CPU should work on his three-point shooting above all else. Uh, and once that's kind of capped out, move on to the second and third tier attributes. So over, you know, the course of the last eight or nine months, we really found a way to have the CPU develop these players into, I don't want to call them specialists, but like balanced players, where they, they're they like focusing on, you know, the raw attribute skills of these players and just making them exceptional in those categories where appropriate. You know, you're not going to see them drafting a center and just saying, okay, well, let's make him the fastest guy in the league. Let's make him the best three-point shooter. Because depending on the player's you know, skill set, that's not appropriate. So they're looking to make them you know, the right type of players. I noticed also that it seems like the badge system is different this year and the, the number, because you can see the number of badges that a specific player has. How do, not only how does that system work, but how can players pick those things up, let's say on AI teams or on human teams in the future? So if you know a guy doesn't have something right now, they can pick it up later. Sure. So the badge system is something that's new this year. It kind of replaces the signature skill system we've had for the last couple years. Uh, in last year's game, a player could have up to seven signature skills. Uh, with the badge system, there's no limit. There are about 70 to 80 different badges, depending on what mode you're in, um, available for a player to have. And there's no limit. I think LeBron currently has the most. And gosh, I forget the number. I think it's like 47 or something. Some of these badges come in different tiers. You know, there's just because the player has a badge isn't like an on-off thing. There can be like a gold, silver, bronze version for many of them. And to directly answer your question, a player can, in these modes, through our progression, the player can earn and lose badges, depending on how you use them, how they play, um, and how they produce, obviously, over the course of many seasons. So you're going to see the ebb and flow of badges kind of going off and on players is going to you know, change for each player throughout their career, which is something that's pretty exciting because players aren't static. You know, they, they change from year to year. They, they get bigger. They lose. They get smaller in the bronze you know, case. It's just as players evolve, their badges evolve with them. Well, and that's another challenge in terms of design, in terms of the way that basketball players age, because certain players, they get taller as they get, certain certain players get more skilled, and then eventually your body starts wearing in different ways. Is that a process that's been a challenge for you in terms of trying to figure out how guys, you know, physically and mentally peak at different times? Oh, absolutely. I mean, when people think uh, player evolution, player progression, they only look at how players get better. You know, that just seems to be the focus. You know, how is this next rookie going to be the next star? And for me, it's like, well, okay, well, how is player going to evolve to that? And then also on the down, the backside of his career, you're going to have some players who, like a Steve Nash, can last, you know, well into their late 30s. Uh, and you're going to have other players who just kind of break down at 30, 31 years old. I mean, maybe even Gilbert Arena style, whether it's through injury, whether it's through, 
you know, the work ethic badge, which we put in this year, that's a player who, above all else, he takes practice seriously, he takes conditioning seriously, and he's someone who, who cares about his career and is going to try and make it last as long as he can. So there's different facets of just, you know, the underlying code saying, okay, it's time to regress this guy. It's like we have these other factors of the badges and their work ethic that are going to, you know, factor into that as well. So a lot of AI went into that this year. I think people are going to be uh, really excited about what we've done there. Just for clarification, does that mean that a player missing missing time due to injury can affect the way that they progress from yeah, that season? Absolutely. So, well, like, let's say, like, a Brooke Lopez type situation? Certainly. Uh, Derek Rose as well. We have a new feature this year called Injuries 2.0 where in previous years, the player would have, like, a durability rating, and that durability rating would indicate how often they were to get injured. And when a player got injured, it would just be kind of a random dice roll. We would say, okay, this guy's hurt. Okay, he has a broken ankle. Bad luck. What we've done this year is we've taken every NBA player in the league and we've broken them down, their body down into 16 different body parts, kind of a, you know, a left foot, right foot, left ankle, right ankle, left knee, right knee, and so on, right up the body. And we've actually taken looking at their like real world hit injury history right back all the way to the beginning of college, and we've rated their body parts based on how much you know trauma they've had exposed to them. Um, so going back to a guy like Derek Rose, obviously knees are um, an issue over the past couple of years. So whenever you get an injury with a player like that, a Bogut's another another great example. He's had quite a few issues. You're going to see injuries appropriate to the body parts based on their career, which is kind of cool. And depending on the severity of that injury, you're going to see the player might not ever recover to his pre-injured self. I've seen issues just sending through seasons where, you know, a star player would, um, you know, blow out his knee. He'd take his year off to come back eight, eight to 12 months. And when he comes back, sometimes he gets back to where he was, and sometimes he's just not the player he was, and that's a great Gilbert example right there. And that does happen in our game, and that's something we've never had before. So injuries are definitely something to keep an eye on, and when a player gets injured, you know, in years past, it was like, okay, in 212 days, he'll be back. But now it's like, he'll be back, but, you know, will he be the player he once was, which is a really fascinating aspect of being a GM. Does how you manage a player's injury status, you know, bringing them back early, affect how long something can linger? There's definitely that. This all ties back into our training feature, too, because as a player is coming back from an injury, it's like, are you going to work on getting his conditioning back into play so he can jump right in? Are you going to put him on the rehab regimen, which can make his body part stronger as he comes back, but he'll have at the benefit of reduced stamina? Uh, so, yes, to answer your question, there's different ways you can handle players coming back from injury. And, you know, if it's the playoffs and you need the guy, you might think differently than if it's, you know, the first quarter of the season. So, a lot of decisions users are going to have to make their players this year. The other thing that the discussion brought me into, and this might be, I don't know if this is something that's already in there, it'd be really cool if it was, of the idea of how a guy plays affecting the possibility of injuries. You know, guys like, Derek, we've talked about Derek Rose a little mm-hmm. bit, that they get they get more contact. Dwayne Wade is another amazing example that, that that could potentially lead to more injuries. This is like one of the first things we talked about with, this. this is actually how the injury system came to be, so I'm kind of glad you asked this. You know, we talked about why do guys like Derrick Rose and Dwayne Wade and these guys, they have obviously the lower extremity problems, whether it be um, knees, whether it be ankles for some guys like Steph Curry. And it's obviously these are are the body parts they use for their types of of play. So the play types that we have these players broken down to under the hood is going to generally tend to these guys suffering these kinds of injuries. So you're going to see the guys who rely on their their explosiveness, uh, athleticism, uh, you're going to see them coming up with those types of, you know, knee and ankle types of injuries as opposed to, you know, the occasional dislocated elbow or the banged wrist or, you know, anything of that sort. So as players continue to play the type of, you know, game they have, their bodies are going to kind of break down over a period of time in appropriate fashions. That's really interesting. Since this is Real GM and it's a lot about player movement, 
How has the ability to draft, sign, and trade players changed from 2K14 to 2K15? So on the drafting front, one of the major, major changes we made this year is we have an entirely new scouting system for scouting incoming rookies into the game. Previous years, we just generated, you know, 75, 80 different players, and you would kind of send your scout to poke at them over the course of the year, and your scout would come back with more accurate versions of his ratings. Um, This year's system has a huge draft pool. There's 150 different prospects. There are stories attached to some of the players uh, that you're going to have to learn about as you scout throughout the season. Sometimes the story might be, you know, the guy who plays at a small college at Creighton, but he averages 30 points a game. And you're going to look at that guy and kind of question, you know, is this guy the next superstar in the league? Or is he averaging 30 points because he's a pretty good scorer, but he's playing against inferior, inferior talent? And so what we've done this year is we've replicated the entire college basketball system, the, the entire schedule. We run a college simulation under our NBA schedule over the course of the season. So when you, when you go to scout these guys, you're not just looking at kind of fuzzy ratings. You're looking at actual, like, simulated stats of these guys. So you're going to look at a, a player and know kind of exactly what type of player he is. If a guy averages four points but he's getting, you know, two steals and two blocks a game, you know he's a defensive-oriented player. And this all ties right back into our injury system, too, where you're going to need to scout these guys to learn how healthy they are. You know, the best player in the, the draft might have a bad back. He might have a bad knee. You might have a Jared Solinger issue on your hands. You really got to scout these guys to learn about them, to learn about what their draft story is. And conversely, this, this whole, like, story system we've come up with has finally given us a real chance to have sleepers in the draft, which are really hard to do from year to year because the CPU likes to just pick those out because they, under the hood, they know what this guy's potential is and whatnot. So this whole story system we have makes it uh, a lot more fair and just in general creates a lot more intrigue within the mode. That's definitely definitely a challenge. And on to the guys that are already in the league, have you done anything with the trading artificial intelligence, the way offers are made, things like that, to, to change the experience? Yeah, trading logic is always, is always a, and signing logic, is always a, a fun one to do. We've done a lot of work this year as far as trying to, to make trades more balanced with respect to how teams value like expiring contracts if they're trying to create you know a ton of ca- cap space two years from now they might value a player who is expiring at that time much more than another team so offering the same player from team to team is going to kind of net you different results and that's another thing we haven't really focused on in previous years so a player's value is an x it's x to this team it's y to that team it's z to that team it's definitely a game of how other teams value your players versus just the global value of a player and that's kind of led to more realistic, more balanced trades. Uh, you just need to look at the other team and understand why they value your player so much or even so little. Um, and I think that's just led to a lot more realism, honestly. Now that we, the new the new national TV deal has come out and it's sending shockwaves through the industry, especially through people like me, uh, is there? I know we talked last year about how your system modeled profits and all that kind of thing in terms of it, but you ended up using the league estimates. Are you toying with the idea of, you know, figuring in this new increase in revenue so that, you know, if a player makes it all the way to 2016, let's say, that the salary cap goes up substantially? We have like an inflation model in the game that kind of accounts for, you know, presumably a steady increase in uh, BRI income to uh, to the players in the league. But we don't have anything in place to say, okay, well, in 2016, this new deal that, you know, they put in place for the 24-25 season will just dramatically jump the salary cap up 8, 9, 10, 12 million. Just for the sake of gameplay balance, we have a nice steady progression over the course of all 80 years. We are an 80-year franchise, so we have to look very far into the future, not just two years. And that's just something we, we do to kind of keep the game nice and balanced. Obviously, this huge TV deal kind of changes things. It's about two days old. You know, our game's been done for considerably longer than that. 
So that's something we'll be looking at moving forward. Yeah, and that's, you know, the challenge of having a, pr a project like this is that things are changing all the time, and hopefully, you know, that can be something that can be accounted for in a future version. You know, that's that's there's there will be an NBA 2K16. I don't I think that's fairly fair to say right now. I can never confirm nor deny, but we are always, like, authenticity is what this company was founded upon. If it happens in real life, like, we want to see it in the game, um, that's just what the NBA 2K series is known for, so I pretty easy to read between the lines there. Talking with you and talking with Ronnie Singh previously about the way that the franchise is progressing, last year you guys had to work really hard to get a bunch of people in for face scanning. Was there new technology this year? Was it mostly roping in people who were not a part of last year, or did you have to get people and bring them back in anyway? That's a little bit of both. I mean, obviously you learn you know, from year to year, and we made the face scanning technology even better than it was in NBA 2K14. So where we could, we brought people back in, and at the same time, we always went out. We also went out and got more people who we didn't have last year. Even to this point, we're at the point where we have almost every NBA player scanned, including the incoming rookie class, which makes the game look breathtakingly beautiful. So we're always striving to get updated scans from guys so we can get the new hairstyles, tattoos, and any players that we miss. But uh, we're getting to the point where we almost have everyone, which is great. Is that the type of thing that is updated from game to game, so like from 2K14 to 15, or is that something that can be just with the technology updated mid-season should somebody pop in and say, hey, my face doesn't look perfect? Somebody, because I remember Ronnie told me there were some people who chose not to get scanned and then they realized it. Could that pop into this edition and update, or would that be in next year's? Uh, it could be both, honestly. Head scans are very large in size because of like the actual fidelity of the graphics, the detail. There are very large files. So yes, they can be done on the fly, but we also have to take into consideration what it means for a user when we force them to have this player's head. Um, you know, we're talking about making the user download 10, 20, 30, 40, 50 megs when they boot up the game. And for some people, that can take a long time. So we're very conscious of how important new content is when we push it down on a user. Um, if a player like, you know, Anderson Verja were to just come out and say, hey, I shaved my head, that's really dramatic. And we would probably say, okay, this is something we should really replicate in our game. Uh, if a player, you know, gets a new scar on his face that's very small or he just changes his hairstyle slightly, those are the kind of things we have to think about as far as making users, you know, download this data and whether it might be better to hold it for 16. So there's always that, you know, consideration to our fans we take into account. So since we only have a couple minutes left, I wanted to kind of open the floor to you to say things that you were proud of in the process that you wanted to make sure that the listeners and fans of the game knew about. Sure. There's um, one really franchise-oriented mode we put into the game this year that's not getting a lot of press that I think is the ultimate sandbox for people who like to be the virtual GM, and that's a mode called My League. My League is kind of, it harkens back to our, our franchise days on 360 and PS3, which was called the Association Mode. Um, and this is a mode that it strips out the RPG elements of My GM if that's, you know, doesn't tickle your fancy. And it allows you to build a league with any parameters that you want. Uh, you can set how long a season is. You can say, I want to play a 14-game season. I want half of the league to be EuroLeague teams. I want an entire EuroLeague league. It's just every AI slider in the game is completely modifiable. So you can say, look, it's too hard to trade with other teams. I'm going to make it really easy. Or you conversely, you can say, hey, it's, it's too easy to trade. I'm going to make it harder. So CPU teams value their players more, making it more of a challenge for me. Um, you can do that for the simulator. If you think you're winning too many games in simulation, you can change the way players value winning versus money versus loyalty when they're in the free agency period. Anything that we have in our AI, we gave you a knob to tune and adjust yourself to create the perfect franchise to your liking. And that's something that's uh, like the complexity of this feature is something that, you know, frankly, no other sports game has ever tried. And we, and we delivered it in spades to our users. And uh, I really hope people gravitate towards it and just see that 
this is an experience for everyone. And I'm sure that also forced you to recalibrate and evaluate all of your own stuff, because if you're opening up all these sliders to everybody else, that makes you think about how everything is calculated, how everything is calibrated. That was literally one of my defining reasons for doing it, was I wanted full accountability for every AI model we have you know, in our backend logic. And like you said, opening this up was really like, a, hey, this seriously has to work because people are going to turn this up and down. You know, So they need to see results based on which way they go. And uh, outside of the user benefit of having this mode where they can you know, do anything they want, uh, it really helps shape the entire game as a whole because the game's never been more tuned than it is in NBA 2K15. Are there any things that you've, I know because it's a 12-month process with this and every you're always working on it, are there any things that you've already thought about that, you're, that, that didn't make it into this one that you're already thinking that, wow, that would be great to include either when you have the technology or when you have the time? That happens every year. Um, we always have a couple years' worth of features that didn't make it last year, didn't make it two years ago that we still intend to do. Um, and that's very much the case this year. We have a very dedicated, very passionate team. They never stop working. They're already working on uh, NBA 2K16. Uh, and if you're going to ask me what those are, I'll never tell you. <laughs> Wait until 16. Oh, we have, we have much to focus on for 15, and I just hope people can enjoy what we've done this year and really just spend the year having a great time playing. Well, I'll let you get to your meeting. Thank you so much for taking time. It was great to talk to you. Oh, thank you so much. Thanks again to Eric Bonish for taking the time to come on. As I mentioned at the outset, he is a senior producer at 2K Sports Visual Concepts, and I appreciate him taking the time to come on we, the week the game comes out. I'm sure there's a lot going on for them. And it's fun to talk with somebody who's so heavily involved in a project, and they're both proud of what they do and also looking forward. And if you're interested in buying 2K15, you can do it. PS4, Xbox One, as well as the PlayStation 3, Xbox 360, and PC, available probably wherever video games are sold unless they happen to be sold out of it. So it was fun to, fun to have that and a little bit of a change of pace, have a lot of other things going on. The Southeast Division podcast with Arturo Galetti and Patrick Minton is already available, as well as the Northwest with Beckley Mason and Ethan Sherwood-Strauss. Definitely give both of those a listen. And I have a big over-under season preview with Arturo Galetti that will be coming out probably early next week. We already recorded part one. Part two will hopefully be recorded soon, and I haven't figured out exactly yet how it's going to stitch together, but I think it's going to be one of the better podcasts that I've ever put out as Real Jam Radio. So, as I always say, if you have any comments, good or bad, you can send them to me at daniel.larue at realgm.com, or you can hit me up on Twitter at danielarue, D-A-N-N-Y-L-E-R-O-U-X. I will read everything, and I will respond to as much as I can. I really do appreciate it. It's what makes the show better. And if you have anybody that you think would be a good guest that is in the world of basketball, you can let me know, and in some ways, just as importantly, let them know, because that's how we get people on the show. I've been really happy and fortunate that over the course of the summer we have expanded our roster and I will continue to do so as long as I get people who say yes and that's been a real pleasure so far is adding new people and building building that because there are a lot of great perspectives that are out there and I've heartily enjoyed it. So thank you that. Also if you see me in 2K15 I'm in the social media feature which as a video game nerd is extremely exciting. If you see that and you want to send me a screenshot or whatever, you feel free to do it. I've already posted one of myself. I geeked out because it was me, Jay Skeets, Zach Harper, and John Schumann that were on the screen together, and I was pretty excited about that just because, I don't know, it's cool for me. So thank you so much for listening. Take care, and make it a great day.
When you don't go to Geico.com, car insurance can be hard. Like early 90s heavy metal hard. I'm yelling and screaming and I'm loud. Roar. Geico makes it easy. You can review and update your policy or report a claim on Geico.com or the Geico mobile app. Because shouldn't we all have a little less stress in our lives? I'm not even upset about anything.